What song is it you want to hear? Welcome to the Secret Chord Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Jacobs. The Secret Chord explores spirituality through the lens of great music. And we're sponsored by SuperJeweler.com, my favorite online fine jewelry destination. And without further ado, please enjoy this podcast. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 31 of The Secret Chord. This week, we are excited to present the music of The Great Sting and The Police, which I've been putting off for a while, but I'm uh, very excited to get into it right now. Who were The Police? They were a British rock band formed in London in 1977, and they're one of the world's great rock trios, consisting of primary songwriter Gordon Sumner, a.k.a. Sting, on lead vocals and bass guitar, Andy Summers on guitar, Stuart Copeland on drums and percussion. So each of these musicians was enormously talented and innovative. The Police became globally popular in the late 1970s and early 1980s. Emerging in the British new wave scene, they played a highly original style of rock influenced by punk, reggae, and jazz. They were considered one of the leaders of what's called the Second British Invasion of the U.S., the first one occurring in the mid-1960s with the arrival of bands like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and the Kinks. In 1983, Rolling Stone labeled the police as the first British new wave act to break through in America on a grand scale, and possibly the biggest band in the world. The police have sold over 75 million records, making them one of the world's best-selling artists of all time. They also won six Grammy Awards, two Brit Awards, an MTV Video Music Award, and in 2003 were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Four of their five studio albums appeared on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. On August 18th of 1983, the band played in front of 70,000 screaming people at Shea Stadium in New York. I desperately wanted to go, but I was only 12 at the time, in sixth grade. And my friend's older sister went and got me one of those great three-quarter length sleeve t-shirts. And I wish that I still had it. Here's one of the tunes I missed at that show and a wonderful example of their thoroughly unique music. This is a song called Walking on the Moon by The Great Sting and The Police.
I love that song every single time I hear it. So also in 1983, the police released their last studio album, which was called Synchronicity, which spawned the hits Every Breath You Take, Wrapped Around Your Finger, King of Pain, and Synchronicity 2. Synchronicity became a number one album in both the UK, where it debuted at number one, and the US. It stayed at number one in the UK for two weeks and in the US for 17 weeks. It was nominated for Grammy Award Album of the Year, but lost to Michael Jackson's Thriller. I specifically remember buying this record, on vinyl of course, and running home to play it. I can still hear the echoes of the sequencer opening that we're about to hear, and I've been excited about it for 37 years now. Interestingly, Sting was a schoolteacher, and obviously is a very intellectual guy. That said... I can't think of very many pop tunes that are explicitly about philosophical concepts as this one is. We'll get into it a bit later, but the subject matter is based on a 1952 paper by the Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung. How original is that? And if you look carefully, you can see a photo of Sting reading it on the album cover. Let's give it a listen. This is Synchronicity 1 by The Great Police. Yeah. 
That is just awesome original music. And now a word from our sponsor. The Secret Chord is generously sponsored by my friends at SuperJeweler.com. And each week, I strive to think of a wholly unique way to link their great service to each episode. So I admit that I was daunted this week. How can you link jewelry to meaningful coincidences? Well, lo and behold, I discovered that one of director Stanley Kubrick's favorite films is called The Earrings of Madame Day, which explores how people's lives are linked by a series of coincidences regarding, yes, a set of earrings. Kubrick apparently loved young synchronicity concepts. So there you go. Head over to superjeweler.com. Check out the dazzling array of earrings that they have to offer. And who knows what cosmic gears you may put into motion. That's superjeweler.com. Millions of happy customers since 1999. Let's talk about the music. The Police started out as a punk rock act. But soon they expanded their music vocabulary to incorporate reggae, pop, and new wave sonorities into their sound. In his retrospective assessment, Stephen Thomas Erlewine of All Music argues that the notion of the police as a punk rock band was true only in the loosest sense of the term. He states that the band's, quote, nervous reggae-injected pop rock was punky and had a punk spirit to it, but wasn't necessarily punk. Synchronicity certainly isn't a punk song or a reggae song, but it has elements of both. An up-tempo, relentless drive, plus a syncopated funkiness. True to form, all the parts are tastefully put together and never overplayed. The police never play notes or beats that don't need to be there. The song has an unusual rhythm, with the keyboard sequencer set to 5-4, and the drummer, Stuart Copeland, playing 4-4, which means that they'll sync up every five bars, which is highly unusual. By the way, Stuart is one of the best drummers in rock. There's a joke that people tell about drummers, which goes like this. What do you call a guy who hangs out with musicians? A drummer. Well, that's not true in his case. He's really one of the musicians and not there just to keep the beats. Andy Summers, along with U2's The Edge, is one of the best-known textualists in guitar playing. Although he's perfectly capable of it and did so in the early days of The Police, his playing focuses less on melodic soloing and more on creating chordal washes of sound and syncopated reggae strumming. That's another critical component of The Police's signature sound. Finally, Sting is not only a great vocalist and has an instantly recognizable voice, he's also an excellent bass player and multi-instrumentalist. The three of them together are just a killer unit. Now let's talk about the lyrics and the concept behind the song. Synchronicity is a concept, first introduced by analytical psychologist Carl Jung, which holds that events are quote-unquote meaningful coincidences if they occur with no causal relationship yet seem to be meaningfully related. Young's belief was that, just as events may be connected by causality, they may also be connected by meaning. Young used the concept in arguing for the existence of the paranormal, a word I like somewhat less than metaphysical or spiritual as it makes it sound hokey or spooky, but that's okay. In the introduction to his book, Young on Synchronicity and the Paranormal, Roderick Maine wrote the following. The culmination of Jung's lifelong engagement with the paranormal is his theory of synchronicity, the view that the structure of reality includes a principle of a causal connection, which manifests itself most conspicuously in the form of meaningful coincidences. 
Difficult, flawed, prone to misinterpretation, this theory nonetheless remains one of the most suggestive attempts yet made to bring the paranormal within the bounds of intelligibility. It has been found relevant by psychotherapists, parapsychologists, researchers of spiritual experience, and a growing number of non-specialists. Indeed, Young's writings in this area form an excellent general introduction to the whole field of the paranormal. So let's give two examples of what Young was writing about. From his own writing, he wrote the following. After several fruitless attempts to sweeten her rationalism with a somewhat more human understanding, he said of one of his patients, I had to confine myself to the hope that something unexpected and irrational would turn up, something that would burst the intellectual retort into which she had sealed herself. Well, I was sitting opposite her one day with my back to the window, listening to her flow of rhetoric. She had an impressive dream the night before, in which someone had given her a golden scarab, a costly piece of jewelry. While she was still telling me this dream, I heard something behind me gently tapping on the window. I turned around and saw that it was a fairly large flying insect that was knocking against the window pane from the outside in the obvious attempt to get into the dark room. This seemed to me very strange. I opened the window immediately and caught the insect in the air as it flew in. It was a scarabid beetle whose gold-green color most nearly resembles that of the golden scarab. I handed the beetle to my patient with the words, Here is your scarab. This experience punctured the desired hole in her rationalism and broke the ice of her intellectual resistance. The treatment could now be continued with satisfactory results. So Young's point is, what exactly was the chances of that happening? The woman having a dream about a scarab and suddenly a scarab beetle showing up right during their session? Well, it doesn't prove anything, but it certainly is interesting. Here's another example from a book called The Godwink Series Book 1 by Squire Rushnell. Did you know that there was a whole series of weird coincidences between the presidents Lincoln and Kennedy? He outlines them as follows. President Lincoln's secretary was named Kennedy, and President Kennedy's secretary was named Lincoln. Each of their secretaries advised them not to go to the places that they were assassinated. Lincoln to the theater, Kennedy to Dallas, Texas. Both were assassinated in the presence of their wives by gunshot wounds to the back of the head. The vice presidents who succeeded the assassinated presidents were both former senators, both from the South, and both named Johnson. Both assassins had three names totaling 15 letters, John Wilkes Booth and Lee Harvey Oswald. Booth shot Lincoln in a theater and ran to a warehouse. Oswald shot Kennedy from his perch in a warehouse and ran to a theater. Both assassins were killed before they were brought to trial. Lincoln and Kennedy both left a legacy for the advancement of civil rights, and both presidents' last name contained seven letters. So is that all just a series of interesting, remarkable coincidences? Or does it indicate that there's actually something deeper going on? A pattern that's behind all of it? Well, Synchronicity says that that pattern is real. And the lyrics of Synchronicity 1 by Sting reflect that. This is what he says. A connecting principle, linked to the invisible, almost imperceptible, something inexpressible, science insusceptible, logic so inflexible, causally connectable, nothing is invincible. So, at what point is something actually too coincidental to be considered mere coincidence? We may not at present have the tools to evaluate that. But I think that many people have an intuitive sense about it, and the more we pay close attention to those quote-unquote God winks, the more they seem to appear. 
Certainly, it's part and parcel of classical monotheism that all that happens to us is purposeful, whether or not we understand it, and that hints and messages from the divine abound in our lives if we are willing to open our eyes and see. These are my thoughts on The Police's Synchronicity 1 and the meaning behind the song and its implications for our lives. I hope you've enjoyed exploring this together. And as always, we look forward to being back next week with another song and another set of ideas. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Please consider leaving a comment or a review to help us spread the word. And please subscribe to the podcast on any of the major podcasting platforms. To support us, please visit our Patreon accounts. And if you'd like to communicate with me directly, please feel free to email me at ajacobs at The Secret Chord is produced and engineered by Naor Cohen.